Hello and welcome to Move Conversations. This is your host Venkat. In this episode, we talk to Professor Peter Capelli. He's the George W. Taylor Professor of Management at the Wharton School and the Director of Wharton's Center for Human Resources. He's also a research associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was a distinguished scholar of the Ministry of Manpower for Singapore and has collaborated with Singapore Management University over the years. That's where I had met him and had interacted with him in the past. He just published a new book, The Future of Office, Work from Home, Remote Work, and the Hard Choices We All Face. That's what we will be discussing in this episode. Welcome to the show, Professor Capelli. Thank you very much. Nice to see you again. Our pleasure. Thanks for accepting the invitation. So, you know, just before uh, we were recording this interview, uh, ZDNet reported that uh, the Future Forum Pulse Survey, uh, you know, we, it's uh, apparently a forum which is uh, you know, owned by the company Slack, uh, surveyed over 10,500 uh, knowledge workers in the US, in the UK, Australia, France, Germany, and Japan. So good set of like developed countries between July and August 2021. So it's it's uh, quite recent. So you know, I'm mm-hmm. I wanted to take the lead uh, this to you know to lead the conversation with uh, you know about this survey uh, with this conversation. So so here are the key findings, and uh, you know you could react to them after after I list them out. Seventy five percent of the employees wanted flexibility in where they work and 93% wanted flexibility in when they work. 75% of the executives said they wanted to work from office three to five days a week as against 34% of the employees. 44% of the executives said they wanted to work from the office every day compared to just 17% of the employees, 66% of the executives reported that they were designing post-pandemic workforce plans with little or no direct input from the employees. And yet, here is the surprise, 94% said they were moderately confident that the policies they had created matched the employees' expectations. And over half, about 56% of the executives said that they had finalized their plans on how employees can work in the future. Mm-hmm. Professor Capelli, these uh, you know, findings are very much in line with what you discuss in the book, aren't they? Let's begin with your brief comment on these findings. I think they're really interesting, and it, it, it seems to explain something that's uh, going on now in the U.S. labor market anyway, and that is that uh, job searches appear to be down. People are not looking for jobs nearly as much as they did before, and uh, the reason seems to be, in some sense, they want different things. The extent to which they want different things, it seems to be all about flexibility. And the companies, as far as we can tell, have not really made any decisions yet as to what they want to do. 
but it does appear in this from this survey especially that they are expecting to go much more back to business as usual than the employees are expecting and so i think you know the employees who have been out of work for a while many of them were unemployed mm -hmm. but the others who already have a job are saying you know i only want to move now for something that looks better to me and what i want is some kind of flexibility in my schedule and work but the companies aren't saying what they're going to do so why should i go there yet right uh, and i think the employers are saying you know we think they'll we'll just be able to go back to work the old way maybe the job seekers will have to accept that but right now they don't think they maybe will have to so they're waiting and that seems to be what's going on in the us now the reason we have this tight labor market we have lots of jobs open all at once and the employees are not jumping or the workers are not jumping to take them and some of the surveys indicate that they say they think better things will come later so we have a little bit of a stalemate going on here mm -hmm. so so uh, that kind of uh, sort of uh, aligns with some of the right at the start of the book you have an you know omnia's warning that we have uh, extensive body of research you know evidence that is from the 1990s onwards that things didn't go well for remote employees but it benefited the employers mm -hmm. so so looks like uh, you know despite all the broadband connections better technology and people often saying that uh, is it not different now and things like that so do you think those past mm. surveys and whatever we are finding today uh, they are aligning is that uh, is that how things would be yeah, would be a clash yeah so we should let's talk about the prior research in in just a second but i think there are two big questions right now the first is uh, when people say they liked and preferred working from home um what did they like about it well that's not so clear right um you know one of the things that i think they did like about it is they were managed differently there was more trust the employers were giving them more control over their time uh and i think they liked those things they probably were also grateful particularly people with children to be home especially when the kids were not in school because the schools were closed and be able to take care of their kids um some of that will not continue right we don't think that um schools will be closed they're already open in the us uh, we don't think that also we are all going to be in this together being home anymore that's something else it's quite different right we all felt a little bit some pulling together the companies were trying to stay afloat people were saving their jobs all that made people feel better about their their work and things after the pandemic though begins to recede and we can go back to work just seems to be happening reasonably quickly then it's no longer the same thing we're not all going to be home we're not all going to be in this together we're making choices and that's something we know about so thinking that going forward we have choices you choose to work from home it'll be like it was during the pandemic it won't be right and the biggest reason is because if you are working at home and your coworkers are all in the office you're at a big disadvantage and i'm sorry even the best technology 
is not going to make it up for that. The ability to catch somebody in the hall and get some information, listen to some gossip, be there to impress the boss, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff still matters. We might think it shouldn't, but it does. Uh, and what the research showed on telecommuting from roughly 2000 on is that people who were working remotely got promoted less often. They didn't make as much money. Their careers tended to stall. They weren't as happy. They weren't as committed to the organization or as engaged in the work, right? So maybe it was worth it if they really wanted to be home, but career-wise, they paid a price. And I think that's something that people have to understand going into it. Right. So, you know, uh, you spoke of the pandemic and some of the adjustments, and uh, it's also true that, uh, you know, people whose jobs allowed remote work and were not essential, they were at home. I mean, in, in, in Singapore, it was openly said so. And, uh, you know, we also say that it's been similar in the US and it was convenient everywhere else also for the companies to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. You definitely uh, mentioned uh, the trust factor. Um, that came from both sides. Uh, but other than that, um, how did team managers as well as team members like learn to adopt with uh, working, you know, in, in with this remote conditions? And what are the good stuff that we can take away from work from home or work from anywhere in these, you know, your survey, survey findings and so on and other survey findings during the pandemic? What is it that we can take away, you know, the good stuff or, you know, alerts? Yeah. Yeah, I think what we should take away is the uh, fact that people really appreciated um, having control over their time mm -hmm. uh, and that the employer was more or less trusting them. Here's what needs to be done. Get it done. We don't care whether it's done nine to five or, you know, eight to six or whenever you get it done doesn't really matter. Right. Mm -hmm. So the micromanagement that people hate. Right where bosses are trying to watch you all the time and tell you exactly what to do every minute, that sort of thing. People hate that, right? Mm. Most of that disappeared during the pandemic because it wasn't possible to do. You know, if you can't see somebody and they're not there, uh, you can't manage them that way. If you have to schedule a time to Zoom in with them and talk to them, you know, you just can't be watching them the whole time. There's no reason why that can't continue for people who work at home, but also even in the office, why we can't, you know, let up on people a little bit and give them more control over what they do, right? So I think that's the best thing to continue from this. You know, is it better working from home? Well, you know, there's certain tasks that might, depending on your office situation, be done better at home. If you have to work independently, by the way, that's the best predictor of whether remote work will succeed, is my work independent? Mm. If you have something like that to do, working by yourself, being away from the office might actually be better. But it also depends on what's going on at home, right? So for people who have extended family in their house and kids in their house, you know, it's more distracting at home. They might be better off in the in the office, you know. So one of the things that we're learning from surveys of employees is that it's not the case that they all want to stay home. Depending on the survey, about as many people want to come back to the office as want to be permanently remote, at least in the U.S. anyway. Hmm. The majority of people would like some flexibility. 
Um, but it isn't the case that one size is going to fit all here. And that takes us to this other question is, okay, that's what employees want. But, uh, you know, employers have not been great at giving employees what they want just because employees want it. So it has to work for the employer. So that's another interesting question. If you're an employer, why should you do this? Well, we know one of the answers to that, and that is with remote work, where you are permanently at home, we can take your office back. And so early in the pandemic, about 40% of CFOs, at least according to a survey then, even like a month into the pandemic, said they were planning to shrink their office footprints, right? That's an instant win for the employers. It's not great for the employees. Turns out employees like offices, even if they don't go in all the time, but that's a clear win for the employers. The hybrid model, it's not so clear what the employers get out of that. You know, you're, you still have an office, you're not at home all the time, but you have flexibility as to when you come in and out. Does that work for the employer? Well, it's not so obvious why. Right. Some companies say, well, we will have you mainly in the office or maybe mainly at home. And then we will have this kind of, as they say in Europe and the UK, a hot desk model or the US calls it hoteling, which right. means, you know, when you come in, we'll give you a desk, we'll give you an office. Right. What turns out we tried that, at least in the US, employees hated it. Uh, and one of the obvious reasons is the main reason you might come into the office now is to see your coworkers and talk to them. There's no guarantee your office is going to be near your fellow workers, though, right? Uh, it could be anywhere that there's a space. And some companies create now temporary office space for people coming in. So that didn't last very long, really, uh, because employees didn't like it, right? So it's not clear that that's going to work well for the employers. And there are other things about it that are even harder. So mm. if I'm a supervisor and I've got some employees in the office, and I've got some employees at home, I got to manage both of them. And I've got to be fair about how I do it. And yet what they need is quite different. Boy, that's a lot of work for a supervisor, right? So it's a challenge for a supervisor to make this hybrid stuff work. And it's not clear what they really are going to get out of it yet. So that's important thing to consider. Right. So that brings up, uh, you know, things related to uh, capability development for employees, skill development, and so on. And uh, we all, with our experiences, we know that we all picked up skills, uh, not just technical and functional ones, but also soft skills, right? By socializing, by interacting with our colleagues, with our bosses and everyone around, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. what would be the long-term impact of remote work on such you know, informal skill development process as well as mentoring? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, right? Because most of what we hear reported about working from home is from people who were experienced in the office. So, you know, like me, I've been with the same university for a very long time now, and I know most of the people working from home is not that hard. You know how things work, you know who to call, you know what needs to be done. But what happens when you hire new people has already started to happen. Uh, during the pandemic, I was on a meeting this uh, today, a Zoom meeting with a company 
hosting it. 30% of their employees are new since the pandemic. We got 30% of people who may have never been in the office, have never met anybody else. How are they going to learn, right? Mm -hmm. How are you going to have a culture and maintain a culture with people who have never seen the office, never met anybody else? How are you going to have an engagement uh, where the employees feel like they're committed to the organization if they don't feel any connection to the people? You know, you're not committed to the brand or the logo. It's really the people in it. If you don't see them, can you be committed to them, right? And I think our sense of that is, no, you probably can't. Um, we don't have a lot of evidence on this on companies that are completely virtual, but uh, it's hard to imagine that that really works unless you're a really tiny place and maybe it doesn't matter so much, right? So it's a very different thing, as you say, to think about how this is working today compared to how it might work if it goes on for a while, right? And we haven't thought about that much either. Right, right. So uh, that brings up the other kind of uh, question. Um, can innovative teamwork, you know, those organizations where they have a maker, creator teamwork, can those yeah. kinds of work be done remotely without or with minimal, you know, in-person interaction? Or, yeah. you know, you did mention about individual work. So, so you know, individual contributor kind of work. What other kinds of work can be done remotely in a, or in a hybrid manner? Yeah, well, if you think about um, who the big proponents are of remote work, it's uh, mainly tech. And when we take tech, we merely mean software, right? Correct. Programming Correct. software. And that's because uh, that work is typically done by individuals, the tasks are compartmentalized. You can put them together later. If you see who are the big opponents of work from home, at least right now, it is the banks, the investment banks in particular, who talk about their work being much more relational, right? Uh, if we talk about innovation per se, and there's a lot of concern about whether innovation can be done if you're working from home, one thing that at least in the past when we tried it, didn't seem to go so well remotely, is agile, right? Agile project management, this process of continuous feedback, try things out, see what happens, check, test, you know, that's right. pretty hard to do remotely, right? Um, and we saw some efforts in this regard when IBM first introduced it. One of the things they did is they called everybody back to the office where they were in these agile teams. We forget that IBM had made a huge push before that to get people out of the office. They had more than 40% of their employees working remotely. In fact, the joke, you know, the joke about IBM when I was a kid was that IBM stood for I've been moved because they were moving you around the world. But then afterwards it stood for I'm by myself because they were sending you home. You were working remotely, right? And they concluded that it wasn't going to work remotely. So they had to bring their teams back. So um, I don't think we have any idea yet whether we can really can do innovation uh, with remote work. The assumption was we couldn't. During this pandemic period, most companies were not trying to do a lot of new stuff. They were more or less, you know, keeping the lights on, doing the routine stuff. Um, and we also forget that one of the reasons that 
business worked so well is it was a wash in money. Governments were trying to keep everything afloat, right? So, mm. you know, it's another example of things we just really don't know how it's going to work. True, true. So the, the, the next aspect that uh, causes concern is social interaction at workplace, right? Um, yeah. Beyond, uh, you know, in sort of like your surface area of contact is there just because, you know, you work with your peers. But beyond that, office was also a place for social interaction for, you know, many of yes. us built great right. friendships at work. Uh, some even found their life partners at work. So in the long term, what would be the impact of remote working on such social interactions, bonding, mental and social well-being, yeah. especially on the younger team members, right? right? Others have settled down, the older ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's another great point. You know, this whole discussion has mainly been from the perspective of middle-aged people with children, right? So let's Got say it. you were, um, uh, you just graduated from college and you got a job for the first time, let's say in New York City or, um, you know, maybe in London and in the financial district, you know, and your boss has told you, good news, uh, you can work from your apartment. I don't think anybody would want to work from their apartment, right? The whole idea is you're in these exciting places because you want to be there and you want to be, you know, with the other people. And that is, as you say, how you make friends and some evidence in the US, at least of people who are sort of middle aged, about a quarter of them met their spouses at work. And, you know, um, if you're new to a city, let's say, and you're young, you're not going to meet a lot of people in your apartment. Right? So it's not so attractive. Uh, for people who are, you know, young, right? And we're, we're telling this story mainly from the perspective of middle-aged people, right? Which is quite different. Right. So the, the follow-up would be that uh, if one is offered an opportunity to work from home, should one take it, right? Um, mm. Can one's pay go down? How will the performance be appraised? How will we be promoted? And you just mentioned about uh, it's not advantageous for the uh, you know people who are just entering the workforce to work from home. There is a broader issue there. What all things that they will miss in their career if early stage of the work mm -hmm. they don't even go to office? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, it's you know the right question to ask. Um, should I take it? Well, I guess the first question is who else have they asked? Who else have they given that proof? If, if you're the only one they've asked, would you like to work from home? That's not a good sign, right? We, the rest of us are going to stay here. Why don't you go work from home? It's not so great. Uh, but I think the other things to think about are if you want to be an, um, an individual contributor, maybe that's fine to stay at home. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. want to be a manager, it's not fine, right? Because you're not going to get experience managing people um, sitting in your apartment, you know, you just, just unfortunately, just not the way things work, at least, at least yet, right? I think the other things you want to know, one is, how is the company thinking about managing its remote workers? If they are, as a lot of companies in the US are now, they are, you know, introducing software and things that we call tattleware, where they're trying to watch you and make sure that you're at your desk and, you know, if they're going to do that, 
is it really that much fun to be at home? It's probably not. If you have to get up, go to your desk at nine o'clock and stay there till five, you know, it's not a lot of fun. Uh, and it defeats the purpose of being home, which is, you know, be able to take the dog for a walk, answer the door, take a little stretch break, you know, and come back and then do your work. If you can't do that, then maybe it's not such a great deal to be at home in the first place, right? So, uh, you know, I, and I think one more, and that is who's going to supervise me. Uh, and if you've got a good supervisor, somebody who's experienced and knows the organization and is willing to support you, because remote workers need a lot more support. They need somebody to keep their eyes and ears open at work, to look out for how people are thinking about the project that you might be working on, uh, to convey information to you, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you don't have that, then working from home can be pretty risky. Right. So you mentioned about, uh, uh, you know, software that may monitor work for people who work remotely or work from home. Yeah. Uh, what if like uh, as a counterpoint, some of the business process outsourcing companies say that we, you know, already they are outsourcing it. It's no more in the outsourcing center. It is mm -hmm. at home. And even in outsourcing center, we have a yeah, lot of so. restrictions. Uh, but if it is going home, even our clients may want to know that if you're paying for it, is the person working and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we we are not bad actors, but like we want to do it. I'm not justifying yeah. that because it's uncomfortable for me to, to be in such a thing. I yeah. perfectly understand that. But uh, will such a issue come up from a from a business perspective from a business process outsourcing company perspective and so on yeah it's a good question i hadn't thought about that i mean i think one thing that we might expect is that your employer might start saying well you're working from home you don't come in why are you an employee at all why don't we just make you a contractor right uh, i think that's that's kind of lucky i mean likely um, I think, you know, for the outsourcing companies, um, it's a good question as to whether they will also push their employees uh, uh, to home. And they might, it's possible. You know, mm. what we're seeing with this software is, of course, it becomes a game, right? That uh, the employees start yeah. to push back. So in the U.S., there's evidence that a third of employees put tape over their camera so that, right. you know, the boss can't see them. And I understand there's software that will appear to jiggle your mouse every couple of seconds so it looks like you're actually there and working and, you know i mean it's just it's just gets silly right this lack yeah. of trust and try to get yeah exactly that's the issue yeah so uh, yeah. so in if they do want to implement remote work so what uh, should organizations and managers pay attention to to genuinely sincerely engage with their employees you know uh, what kind of, you know, even good tools that they can use if you have come across some of them, but at least good practices would be the first step. So what would, what are your recommendations? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the first one to just illustrate with an anecdote that there was some survey evidence in the U.S. anyway, that during the pandemic, people reported that they liked their supervisor better during the pandemic. Now, wow. if you're cynical, you might say, well, they don't see them, so it's, it's better, you know. Uh, but I think in a lot of organizations, they actually made the supervisors perform differently. They made them check in with their subordinates maybe once a week and have a serious conversation uh, about, you know, how are you doing? 
And also, let's talk about your work. How's it going? What are the problems? You know, and in an office, that doesn't actually happen very often. You know, um, and it may be because the supervisor feels, well, I see you all the time. You know, so you know, we occasionally chat, but we don't sit down and have a serious conversation very often about work, except you know, the end of the year performance appraisal, right? which is uh, doesn't prove to be particularly a useful exercise. So that's the first thing. If you're going to have remote workers, the supervisors have to behave differently and they have to really work to try to maintain some connection. I'd say the other big thing is that from the top down, there has to be a lot more communication, right? About priorities, about what's going on. You know, people who don't get information tend to make it up. They make up answers, right? And those are generally not good answers, the ones that they make up. And if you're in the office, you know, you probably can pick up a lot of things about priorities just by looking at the boss. You know, some issue comes up and boss rolls his eyes. And, well, then you get a sense that that's not that important, right? Um, but you don't see that, you know, then you don't know. So from the top down, they have to convey a lot more information. And that also includes telling people what you don't know to say, yeah, are we coming back? Uh, we're going to bring people. Well, we don't know yet, but here's how we're thinking about it. And here's what we're waiting to see. You know, just telling people what you don't know and, but as well as what you're thinking matters a lot. So we need a lot more push from the top down. We're also going to have to figure out how to manage new hires. It can't just be a simple onboarding and then just you know hope they figure it out. Uh, and I don't know that we've got a good model as to how to do that yet, right? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know a good answer to that one. I think you know if it's a hybrid model where you have people in a couple of days a week, it's better. But even then, let's say you have only you know twenty percent of the employees in on any day. How long is it going to take you to meet everybody on your team, uh, especially if you're only coming in a day, a week or so, right? It could, you could be there months before you run into everybody on your team, and you're not True. going to see them again, maybe in a while. It's, you know, it's a little strange. So um, we have to think that one through, too. So as you can tell, the big issue here is there are all kinds of things that are complicated about this, and we haven't really given them very much thought yet. And so I guess my big argument here is that before you start making these decisions, you better think them through, right? What does it right. mean if we do this or that? What's it going to require if we make this decision? What are the problems? How are we going to think about addressing them? And I don't see many employers doing that, frankly. I see that they're, for one thing, as we said earlier, they're not saying what they think right now. They're, they haven't really made decisions, but the extent to which uh, we know, as that survey earlier indicated, the top people are not particularly aligned with what the frontline and regular employees think is going to happen, and that's never a good sign, right? So um, we got a lot of work to do, I think, on this one. Right. So you just mentioned, uh, you know, uh, onboarding for uh, first-time employees. I thought in, in the book, uh, you also mentioned that even people are, to, you're calling people back into office, even for your existing employees, existing remote employees, hybrid employees, and so on and so forth. Even them, you should have a 
sort of a somewhat uh, onboarding style uh, process because yeah. you have been yeah. you not been things had not been normal for a year so so could you elaborate right. on that yeah so um, you know for us so we are just going back to our own offices after a year and a half and a year and a half uh, a lot of things change I mean some people died right uh, in, in your offices or family members of those people. It's not always just a happy series of events during this period. Some people quit, some people retired. So literally the people might not be the same. So, you know, one of the things I think is important when first people come back is to process that, you know, to have some time for people to reconnect with each other and talk about how things went and, you know, their, their broader lives before jumping right into the to the work right i think it's also important if you want to do anything differently in the organization um, that this is the time to do it because everybody is a little shaken out of their routine things seem a little different when you first go back and if you want to introduce something else do it now so i i read this uh these accounts and it's a little bit in this book about what clorox has started to do because they decided they wanted to operate differently anyway, more collaborative sort of approaches. So they redesigned physically some of their space. Um, and they did that before people started to come back. And the idea is make the return to the office also part of a change management process. Right? Okay. We're not just bringing you back. We're trying to get us to behave differently here going forward. But there's also some evidence, even if you don't do that, that it takes people a little while to begin to reconnect back to some place that they've been away for a while. Some of this may be not so bad. People are on a long vacation. They come back, you know, and it takes them a couple of days or so. But if you have an entire office like that, you know, you might have to do some systematic things to help get people interested in being back and, and happy to be back and engaged in the work they're doing again. Right. So, so those are some of the good practices people can, uh, you know, companies can be considerate and uh, put in place. Uh, so far, we have been discussing this in a general, uh, gender neutral manner. Uh, but, uh, you know, there have been a lot of evidence that uh, working women around the world have, were disproportionately affected during the pandemic. Um, you know, even though in theory, working from home should have given them, you know, better work-life balance, uh, what can be done about it? And, you know, based on your recent or past uh, research. Uh, my understanding of this is that uh, it was particularly caregiver issues. So it wasn't working women per se. It was okay. uh, mothers with children or uh, women who had elder care or people to, to look after. And Correct. the biggest push on there was the schools were closed, right? And so, you know, you could probably try to work from home, although let's be clear, not everybody could work from home, right? So in the US, the figure was about 40% of people who were working were working from home, but not everybody could. Uh, mm -hmm. And a lot of the people who dropped out were probably those people. If you're working from home and your kids are home, and you have to kind of run a little school in your house, which is what was happening in many places, it's a lot of work. 
And especially if your spouse is also home and you both have two jobs you're trying to do from home and the kids are there, it, you know, it's just, it was too much work, right? So I think some of that uh, will pass pretty quickly. The schools are mainly open again. Uh, Childcare is coming back, you know. I'd say in the meantime, though, that's the big issue. And we know this from, you know, information on job searches and what people think is attractive right now is the daycare provided by the employers or help with daycare or backup daycare is really important to people. So, uh, you know, if you're an employer, you want to do something about that, that's, that's the biggest thing we could do right now to deal with the fact that it seems to be hitting working women in particular harder, working women with children, especially. So, so those are absolutely great points on, you know, uh, how the future of office is going to be quite different and uh, companies as yeah. well as uh, employees have to seriously rethink uh, about working from home or remote work, uh, et cetera. And uh, choices are not as clear as, as they thought yeah. uh, to be, uh, you know, even mm -hmm. uh, simple things like uh, what we thought that like work-life balance will be greater like you just highlighted for for uh, women and for families where both people are working and then the children and all of them <laughs> were at home and so on the work from mm -hmm. home was not exactly the ideal situation as well as uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. if you know uh, in in comparison the Microsoft survey of like, oh, you know, work extended beyond uh, dinner time seems to be mm -hmm. very minor issue mm -hmm. compared to the the the, the picture yeah. that you just yeah, painted and right. many people live through it. So right. yeah, great, right. great insights. Uh, thanks a lot, Professor Capelli. This was like, wonderful talking to you. Uh, you know, great to know. I think great points for employers as well as employees. And I think uh, youngsters um, in particular about what, what is in store for them and uh, why yeah. they should think through mm -hmm. before making the mm -hmm. choices of mm -hmm. uh, jobs which require them, uh, you know, to work from home and this, how this could impact their career and so on and so forth. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the Move Conversations YouTube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. Thank you very much. Till I see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great day.